upstage <laughs> me in the fashion department. You look quite spiffy today. Oh, thank you very much. Jeff's wearing his uh, his his legals. The only thing that's missing is the robes. This yeah, is what you would wear to off. court. Yeah, because so, they always get caught under my chair, and I find myself falling backwards. I hate it when that happens. And Bob Metz also yeah. with us. Uh, nice to see you too, Robert. Thank I'd you. like to ask both you gentlemen this morning for your comments, and there's really no way around this topic today. I don't think, particularly with these two guests, one a practicing lawyer and, uh, and an avowed... Uh, um, uh, lefty, as you said the other day, and uh, Mr. Metz, who is probably the, uh, one of the more keen political minds of my experience, a man whose life is politics, who lives and breathes and researches politics uh, literally 24 hours a day. Uh, to have the both of them here on, on this day with this topic uh, in front of us from earlier this morning is a, is a temptation I can't resist. What we talked about partially in the first hour this morning was the potential loss of our civil liberties, and the idea being that we may be asked to give up some of our civil liberties in the name of making it easier for the authorities to track down and bring to heel uh, terrorists in this country. South of the border, there's been a lot of talk about this already, probably more than there has been in Canada, but certainly the debate will, will begin in Canada very quickly if it hasn't already. Um, and a number of Americans, very prominent Americans, have expressed their, their uh, willingness to sacrifice temporarily, is usually how they put it, although there's no time limit that I'm aware of has been put on it, temporarily sacrifice some of their constitutional protections uh, in the name of, of making America a safer place for everyone. Uh, whether the Americans go, there go the Canadians very quickly thereafter, I should think, particularly in a situation like this. And I want to ask both of you gentlemen two related questions, and you can come at this any way you want. A, do you think this is likely to happen? And, and, and B, uh, A, and, uh, and A, subsection one, to what extent? And B, how do you feel about that? I hate to ask people the, how do you feel about questions. It's not a question I ask very long, but I think this is such a visceral one, particularly for two guys like you, that I am going to do that. And Jeff, maybe I'll start with, with, with you. What do you think is going to happen? How far do you think we'll go? Well, actually, I've, I've been surprised uh, by the reaction in the United States so far in the sense that I think that they've been quite moderate. And uh, I would have expected that there would be, you know, people rampaging in the street and so on. And we really haven't seen that. Now, to some extent, I, I wonder to what extent that's because George Bush came out so strong at the start and said, this is war, 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 war. And I think, at least for me, um, people may be sitting back and saying, boy, that guy's more gung-ho than I am even. Uh, you know, let's see if he produces results. Now, the, the problem is going to be that he can say that for a little while, but pretty soon he's going to have to start showing some fireworks if that's uh, if it is a war um, but but to this point with guys like Colin Powell around and Dick Cheney they seem very moderate and modest in, in what their reactions are and I think it, the, the main point they have to that they recognize and bear in mind is we have no idea who to go after um, so, you, so you can't go off in all directions right now the, the concern that I have big time though is that there are some people who would like to see the state have much more power and, and they just philosophically believe that and I'm concerned that they will exploit an emotional, a highly emotional time to try and get that power as we saw with McCarthyism in the 50s. Is that all it is, Bob, in a highly emotional time? It is that. Um, but to your question of the of civil liberties, I don't think we have to lose one single, liber single civil liberty to fight terrorism. And nor should we or nor have we so far. I do not regard long lineups at the borders or, or more security checks at the, at the airlines as a loss of civil liberty. What about wiretaps without warrants? Um, you see, for me, I've always said the police should have certain authorities to investigate crimes. And that included everything from Paul Bernardo on down. But what we have to have in, pl in, in conjunction with that is responsibility on the part of the police. That if they make a mistake, that they're held accountable. 
unfortunately we're seeing legislation in the country that basically says that if the police make a mistake well too bad you know and that's unacceptable because then they will start to behave irresponsibly and they will start to behave recklessly they have to be held accountable for their action they have to be if they do damage to you they must make reparations of some sort that will hold things in check i'm not overly excited about the the, the minutia of of security concerns Nobody in this room has a right to walk into Pearson Airport or a right to walk into any airport in, in, in the free world or the, the non-free world. Uh, the, you know, people own those airports. Do we, have, do, do we have a right to have a private conversation between or amongst the three of us, for Yes, example? we do. And you will know that your civil liberties are infringed upon when the state tells you you can't meet, you can't have more than four people at your house at one time. Well, nobody suggested, nobody suggested that, but what, what, what they have suggested is putting screening devices on, on the Internet to uh, locate certain keywords. They have the technology to do it, but the internet providers have been, in the, particularly in the United States, have been using the, uh, is it the First Amendment? Uh, whatever yeah. whatever amendment it is that protects them, to say, no, we will not allow that. Now they're saying they may suspend that, so that if you, uh, Robert, were to send an email to Jeff and use the word uh, terrorism or hijacking or something like that, it would automatically show up on an FBI computer somewhere. Well, or, then or they're going to be visiting the Freedom Party website over and over again, because we're going to be using those words a lot over the next few few weeks. But, but Anything you do on the internet isn't private. Anything you do on the phone isn't private. These are electronic means that the technicians and people all along the way can listen in on. You know, with a cellular phone, you know how many people have these little uh, radios that they can listen to everything everybody says on mm -hmm. a cellular phone? Some people, for that, for them, that's their afternoon's entertainment. Yeah. And yet people are saying very intimate and personal things on these cellular phones and not thinking twice about their security. So I don't even... I wonder how how security oriented we are if, if you're interested in privacy and security you basically have to pay for it that and and you know people are talking about identity cards well that's a sure way to let the terrorists into the country all they'll do is get fake identity cards you know when when an official sees a card that looks valid well then he's got to let you through you know and then the thinking stops it all becomes regimented mm -hmm. and orderly and that's what terrorists count on is for their enemies to react and to become more like them, more rigid, more closed, and they can use that structure to walk through. And that's what they've been doing everywhere. So we, can, we must not give up our liberties. We must not give up our freedom to fight this. We should go on. Life is normal. And more importantly than that, you know, this is a battle of ideas, not of, of, of wars and things like that. We must defend the West's way of life, which is capitalism, which is what is being attacked. And I think that if we want to do something effective against terrorism, we have to learn ourselves and teach our enemies what capitalism is and why they fear it and what it is. You know, I think this should be a major thing in our school curriculums right now because that will arm us intellectually, and that's what the battle is about. Uh, Jeff, what do you think about the uh, ID card issue? Bob says it's likely just to lull us into a sense of a false sense of security. Well, I was I was talking with a, a private investigator yesterday who I've known for some time, and uh, we were talking about this issue of wiretaps, and he said, how naive can you be? You know, he said that that happens all the time now anyway. And mm -hmm. realistically, the police have the technology to do that and have for a long time, and uh, it's, it's, it's impossibly tempting to use that. And that uh, if you seriously think that that isn't going on, then you're just hopelessly naive. Same with the Internet, um, same with email, and Brawley North uh, getting hoisted by his petard with all his email messages that what he didn't realize when you hit delete, they're not deleted. They're mm -hmm. just uh, stuck somewhere else on the hard drive and I, I'm reminded of I think it's Scott Neely from I think it's Novell who had said a year or two ago he's one of the world's two largest manufacturers of internet equipment and he said uh, in today's world there is no privacy get over it 
Jeff, Slim, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz with us this morning on Left, Right, and Center. I want to ask both of you about uh, this. Uh, uh, Bob, you alluded to the long lineups to get across the borders and so on. Uh, there was a report on uh, on one of the networks last night. I was flipping around about the lack of security at airports, which comes as no surprise to anybody who knows anything about security at all. I mean, these, they were trumpeting this as though this was some big, uh, you know, bulletin, 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 bar, our airports aren't safe. Uh, I interviewed uh, Dick Marcinko, who's an expert in this, as long ago as six or seven years ago when he first started to talk about this, that, that our airport, not only are they not safe, but it's almost impossible to make them, quote, safe. Sure. Virtually anybody can get anywhere if, they're, if you're smart enough and study it long enough and have enough resources to get the false documents and so on. Are, are we missing the point here in focusing on airports because that's where the focus is now let's put armed sky marshals on every plane let's uh, let's check every piece of lint in every pocket before anybody gets on a plane are we missing uh, the I point th there i think it's highly unlikely that the second act of terrorism in north america is going to be happening on a plane um you know personally i think we might be still seeing some very terrible things happening in north america you may see a bridge blow up you may see chemical warfare you may see a small-scale nuclear weapon used um these things could already be sitting here, waiting just for somebody to push a mm -hmm. button. And that's a reality we have to live with. And, it, you know, it's like living with criminals amongst you. You know, you, you have them around you. Um, to me, I don't think in the short term there's anything we can do other than respond in a physical sense. And the U.S. has to send an extremely powerful, not just a message, but deliver a response. Um, to the acts that were done in, in New York. Otherwise, it will not stop. I think if we go too much in the diplomacy and the, uh, um, you know, police action kind of route, we are going to guarantee ourselves a lot more strife. I was, I was listening to Colin Powell on, on Sunday, and he said something really interesting. He said, uh, as far as the U.S. is concerned, this is a binary issue. You're either with us or you're against us. It's yes or no. And he, and, he, and he vowed on television there on CNN, he said uh, that, that the U.S. intends to use overwhelming force. And I quoted him here, I said, he, this is Colin Powell speaking, we will restore a sense of normalcy very quickly in a way that will impress the world. Now, whether the U.S. is up to that or not, Remains well, that's to a be great seen. Question, yeah. well, and what that means, an overwhelming response, does that mean that they plan to kill thousands of innocent people? I don't know. Uh, overwhelming response, if there are a dozen people behind this, uh, presumably you'd kill them. Uh, but overwhelming sounds like a lot more than that. I, I was struck, though, when you saw it was a picture in the paper last week at Pearson Airport of uh, the uh, police walking around with machine guns and so on. And, and I thought, you know. What in the world has that got to do with what happened? And uh, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that you have this reaction where we'll do all these things that really have nothing to do with what the issue is. And, and, and I'm inclined to agree. I remember that there's a statement that uh, you've probably heard, which is generals always prepare to fight the last war, mm -hmm. not the next one. Mm -hmm. And these guys aren't going to do this again. Now, there, somebody else may do a copycat version of it, but they'll think of something else fiendishly clever. Not only that, that, consider the example we've already had in front of us. Um, I think it was a fourth plane that went down where the passengers took the terrorists down. Why did they do that? Because they already knew what was happening with the other planes. Mm -hmm. uh, the next hijacker is not going to have an easy time with the passengers. That's just not going to be a viable way to go. Uh, you get one shot at a, at a shot like that, and then that's it. Um, yeah, that's a very good point. That hasn't, hasn't been made a lot. No, and, and I, was wa I was watching uh, some terrorist uh, specialists speaking, you know, and they, and they say that these terrorists have a philosophy that, that runs along the lines of, you know, the target has to be lucky 100% of the time. The terrorist only has to be lucky once. And that sort of tells you the, the challenge that we're up against in terms of dealing with terrorism. If you want to fight it straight on uh, in the physical sense, it's not going to happen that way. Um, 
There was an interesting fellow on television last night on the Discovery Channel. His name was Dr. Gerald Post, and he was a political psychologist who actually interviewed uh, some of the terrorists that, that, that they caught uh, bombing the uh, World Trade Center the first time in 1993. Mm-hmm. And he explained that their mentality is not... Uh, they don't think of it as suicide. They call it ishtahad, which I wrote down. He says, which means self-sacrifice. They are sacrificing themselves for this collective that, that they believe in, whatever it may be. And he made it clear that this is not a war in the conventional sense. This is a war for people's minds. And I was astounded to hear him say that, mm-hmm. that that was what is at the root of this. And unless we identify what it is that's at the root of the minds of these people in a political sense this is not nothing to do with religion this is all politics yeah. and what we're seeing in action here is the anti-capitalist mentality that's literally what it is and it is driven by a sense of of i don't know how i how i can put it i mean here here they live in a country they live by certain political values that that keep them from becoming prosperous and they blame the united states for it because the united states doesn't operate on those values it operates on capitalist principles um we must never underestimate why they picked that target you know that, that was significant this is talk of the town where interesting people talk and london listens bob metz Jeff schlemmer with us this morning Talking, uh, began to talk about the suspension of civil liberties. We've since moved into the area of potential retaliation by the Americans against the terrorists. I want to move back to a Canadian context, to the Canadian economy. Um, certainly the, the economy of the West, that capitalist economy that Bob talked about a moment or two ago, is under attack. The markets are down significantly. Um, Tom McInerney, our financial advisor, tells us, though, that if you had slept through the past 10 days, woke up today and looked at the markets, you probably wouldn't be shocked that uh, you would could easily say, well, they've kind of sponged their way a little lower. They've softened some more, but nothing drastic. Um, airlines laying off tens of thousands of people. There's talk of Air Canada having to do that now as well. Uh, it looks as though public confidence has been shaken by this. I said, and not jokingly yesterday, although I was accused of, of making light of it, if you want to do something positive, go buy a refrigerator. Any of you guys disagree with that? No. No, and uh, I had a debate with a friend uh, yesterday talking about the stock market and this sort of prediction about whether it would go down a lot and so on, and he, he said that he had heard interviews by managers of pension funds, and they talked about how there's no room for patriotism if you're a pension fund manager because your job is to make sure that people's pensions remain intact and that the only obligation you have is to maximize shareholder value, and, and I find that quite appalling. And we've got these people who are leaders in our community who say that the only thing that matters is making money, uh, and I'm forced to do that as much as I regret it. Well, that's just nonsense. You know, There's no question that, that uh, those people still have moral obligations and patriotic obligations, I'd say, to their countries, uh, not to let the uh, terrorists make this much, much, much bigger than it already is. And yet it seems inevitable. Uh, you know, that advice of going to buy buy a refrigerator, I mean, that really could apply to the economy at any time, yeah, couldn't it? Could, it? it could, but... So, as, 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 in the as, sense that it's a universal it. principle, yeah. um, I don't see it as being anything distinct that would that would be better just because of an event like this i don't think we have to go on a spending spree well the purpose behind it is that we're told by the experts that public public confidence is dipping with public confidence d- along with that dip goes dip in consumer spending uh, dips in consumer spending tend to uh, weaken into that whole spiral of of recession and potentially the big d word and that uh, my feeling was that if you want to if, if people kept saying what can i do what can i do what can i do can i give money can i send clothing can i send blankets Go buy a refrigerator, buy a stove, buy a car, buy something. Get into the economy, get into the economy, get into the economy. Well, we are, we're already in the economy. I can't, you know, whether you keep your money in the bank or you spend it, it's still doing good. 
I mean, the only thing that you can do to harm the economy is put your money in a pillow and burn it or something like that. But even that would help the economy because you'd reduce inflation. So, so I mean, <laughs> well, we live in a capitalist society, and we have to look at this as, as an opportunity now. I mean, this is an opportunity. First of all, I've never seen the West so unified, even mm-hmm. though it may, may only last for a short time. That's why I think... It will. My prediction is it will only last for a short well, time. Well, that's why I think that the, the attack on terrorism has to be far more than a physical one. It has to be intellectual and moral. And, and the only way to do that is, for, is to cu- stop being ashamed of what we are what we are in the West, that we practice freedom, that we practice tolerance of all religions, that we practice uh, capitalism, the right of people to exchange things. You know, the World Trade Center was filled with business people, not military people, not people involved in government per se, you know. Um, This was a trade center. That's what it was called. And this is what these terrorists are against. It's a mentality, and it's it's in the world. It's all around us. It was at the Quebec Trade Summit this last summer, where the only thing all those people protesting could agree on was that they were opposed to capitalism. So they just put themselves in the same camp as the terrorists, as far as I'm concerned. That seems a little unfair to those folks that come back. I think it's a totally different. I don't think so at all. I think anybody that tells you they're opposed to capitalism is opposed to your rights, is opposed to your freedom, is opposed to your right to own property, your right to work for yourself. Anybody that tells you that is your enemy, and you better recognize it. Right now is when you got Colin Powell saying that if you're either for us against us, does that mean that you can't have an opposition in the United States? Does that mean that the Republicans can't, for instance, come out and say some of these things you're doing we sort of disagree with? Gingerly, at some point, we have to get back to having a. a, a No, that's not how the U.S. works. I think he was talking foreign policy, and he's talking so. to the enemy, not but to his own people. Well, enemy, in fact, who is the enemy? In, in the world right now, there are probably fewer people who would like to point missiles it's not at us a who, than it's have ever existed in my lifetime. Right now, uh, the, almost all the world has gone to capitalism. China is getting to capitalism as fast as it can. The USSR has done All the on? guys with all the, all the missiles <laughs> have bought into our system. Well, we, we have to make they, sure we don't overreact you know and say why? there's a few thousand, well, there may, be, there may be hundreds of thousands of people in the world who are mad at us, and frankly, I still don't understand it. You know, I, I watch CNN and all that stuff, and say, you don't why, understand why envy. They, why are they willing to How kill us? How many times you brought up How Bill Gates? How can they get <laughs> so mad at us? You know, what do we do to those guys? You know, why? You know, I, I can listen to that, but I still can't quite absorb it. I can't say, I, like a Palestinian, I could understand saying, well, the United States is helping Israel, blah 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 blah. But it's like, what have we ever do to the Afghani's? We we helped them in the war against the Russians. You know, what have we done since? That's then? what we did, and they <laughs> why are they so mad? Because they because by helping them, we have told them. Not not overtly and not intentionally and not with any mean-spirited, but we told them that we're superior. That's the message that comes across. They needed our help. They couldn't do it on their own. Well, and the reason lots of countries have gotten help from the United States, though, that aren't willing to go out and kill them. Well, that's because of the, of, of the political ideology in some of these countries. It's statism. It's pure government control. There is religion mixed with government. There is the state controlling everything from trade to arms to military. It's a whole status it's society. It's religious, though, isn't it? And, and it's, that's an, a, a component of it. Remember, government, when combined with religion, is a terribly evil thing. And it doesn't matter whether that religion is Islamic or Christian or anything. Look at the history of the world. That's a proof. You do not combine government with religion or you will get September 11th all the time. But the issue is that we have to fight the, these ideas with better ideas. We can't sit here and oh, yeah. apologize for being capitalistic. We have to, you know, yesterday, Jim, you made a comment about Maude Barlow. You said you don't pay much attention to her because she just, uh, you better start paying attention to her because she's the problem. She's a person who, who uh, you know, is, is spreading as far as I'm concerned, total evil in society, and we have to address it. We cannot just ignore it because it wins by default. And, you know, the day before the bombing, you had uh, 
you were entertaining a subject on, you know, I think something to do with Canadians being American yeah. or joining the Americans. Mm -hmm. You had a caller on named named Carol that day who probably depressed me almost, almost as much as I was depressed when I saw the Trade Center go down. And her anti-American you know, rhetoric was just amazing, and she identified herself as a political science major. But now, so and now you can't disagree that's with the United what States because something bad happened to them. Well, apparently, five hundred Canadians were apparently killed yeah. as well. But does that mean we have to stamp out dissent? This is exactly what happened in Truman's era with McCarthyism. It's unpatriotic not to think it's a good idea to go out and kill thousands of innocent people. That's that's well, that's the I don't think that. I think we into. have to get into an ideological battle about how we can how we can shape this that's going on. Basically, it's is George Bush the guy who's going to decide everything from now on, and anybody who stands up and says, eh, maybe you should do it a little bit differently, is unpatriotic and is evil and all that Look, kind of I'm stuff. Look, I'm the first guy here to criticize American policy on foreign policy, on its domestic drug policy. By the way, I the think... The war on drugs. If they, I mean, if they got rid of the war on drugs, they'd solve half their terrorism problem right there. But, that, but that's a separate issue. We're talking on another level now. In a free society, people have a right to disagree. And the rules are that you never initiate force against someone else. When somebody breaks that rules that rule, there are no more rules anymore. When you're in a state of war, you're basically saying rights are suspended, um, you know, the, the, the common accepted rules that we were playing by up and, you know, for a while are going to be suspended, and there's going to be serious action, well, and, we, and we don't consider the normal consequences. Bush used the W word, but I was glad to hear Colin Powell at the start of his remarks saying, uh, whether or not it's uh, legally a war, we consider it to be a war. In fact, it's not a war in the sense that wars that's traditionally true. have been fought between states. You know, that's the whole problem right now. We're just blind. And, and the question is, how do we react to that? Well, if hopefully Bush, we do it really smart. If Bush was, was sincere when he said he's not going to distinguish between between those who harbor terrorists and the terrorists themselves, we will have a war. We'll have a war, that's true. And who will have so started make no it? mistake. <laughs> who will have started it? You have to ask that question? You weren't yeah, around here on sure. September 11? <laughs> yeah, no, I know who started who, If George Bush declares that war should on never country, be then that will be a legal war. Right now, we don't have a legal war because there's no state involved in it. Consider there's a victim state, but there's no aggressor state. Consider every country that was ever defeated by the United States in a war. Where are they today? They're superpowers. They're competing with the United States. The United States is unlike any other country that has ever been invented on, the, on, on, on planet Earth. Um, as Ayn Rand said, you know, the U.S. was the first country invented that, that subordinated government to moral law. It was the first... Isn't that a dangerous thing to do, too? Isn't that absolutely like religion? Not. Isn't that the same no, as religion? No, morality and religion are, are quite often in conflict, as we can see yeah. in this state of things. It depends how you define that. Um, well, if you believe morality is a mystical thing and a make-believe thing and you ba base it on faith, then that's one thing. But if you understand that morality is based on reason, on on real metaphysics and real, uh, you know, Well, the French Revolution things, was based reality, on reason, but it went really bad. And, and it's true, the United States experiment has worked out amazingly well, and I think a lot of it has to do with its capitalism. That was really the innovation well, it has everything of the United to do with States. It. Yeah, Absolutely. It's not morality is such an amorphous concept. Everybody thinks they're moral and their country's moral, blah, blah, blah. The, the, the essence of capitalism is, country and it's is, is contract law, and contract yeah. law is based on keeping promises. When you break, yes. break a promise, that's an immoral act. When I promise I'm going to do something, I mean, to, to a degree, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what capitalism insists, is that you have this structure in place that you can have long-term long promises that have to be kept. That's what creates things like airplanes, scientific invention, uh, the ability to go to the moon, because yeah. you can Trusting count on people, to follow up on people having, and if are, they don't, yeah. there are consequences. That's the proper function of government. That's, and, the, and the U.S. was one of the first governments that discovered it, sort of through the back door. But I hope the United States can go back to first principles, though, and recognize that that's, that's what's important here, is that there are people who are 
are not who are not on board but there are lots of people who who are not on either side you know it's not that they support people killing people but they may not agree with everything the states does and a lot of them live in Afghanistan for instance a lot of them live in Pakistan you know you've got some of them in Iraq uh, you know and and I really hope that they're smart about it and and really decide look we've got this power well, but what is the states doing blindly. there who are the states bombing who are they killing who are they I saw damaging? yesterday these pilots uh, fighter pilots saying that you know we have to make sure the United States uh, air air is kept uh, secure and I'm thinking I saw to do with Africa air, air, against airplanes. I hope that it doesn't come to that. Although I guess it almost did last week, and it may again. But again, to me, the United States has to realize this is a totally different thing. Whether you call it war or whatever it is, it's an extremely strategic thing where they have to think really smart. And what I would love to see is them spending a lot more on airline security. For instance, I, I know you, you see these guys who are the uh, the people operating the X-rays machines and stuff. They're paid minimum wage or very low wages, and I just think that's just wrong. We need so smart, that makes them incompetent, high, does it? You know, highly I had so many people, people point doing out those to me. jobs. We need people with a lot of training of people who are worth a lot more than that. And we need to make sure we spend our money on that instead of the war on drugs. I don't think we need to spend more money on those people. I think we just need to fire incompetence and put incompetent people. No, I think they need more training. Though. A lot of these people... Do, well, that's what tra- competence tra- is training about. Training is rudimentary and it is going to mean more money and that's going to mean... In the training, It's going to sure. mean our airline ticket prices go up. Are we but ready for that? Plane, it, would, it wouldn't occur to me to not fly in a plane, though, because of this. Like, if anything, as you say, it's probably less likely now because they've shot their bullet. But, you know, the first principle of sort of a revolutionary weapon is that you hit them as hard as you can the first time because, as Bob said, you won't get a second chance. You won't have surprise the second go-round. So I think flying's probably safer today than it was a week ago. On that note, we will leave you and thank both of our guests, uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. Always a pleasure, gentlemen, and Thanks, we look Jim. forward to having thank you back you. together again.